Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, hey! It's a Thursday that feels like a Friday. What's up, friends? Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky. Brian Haydad, second time in a week, rocking the bright red T-shirt. He has indeed decided that that is his color going forward, and it's not the same T-shirt. It's almost like he listened the other day when we told him red was good on him. What's up, Haydad? What's up, man? It's the uh, the red T-shirt. It's the color scheme for America's weekend. Sure. There you go. We'll go with that. Go with that. I think I asked yesterday. I can't remember for sure if I asked. Uh, forgive me if I did. Fireworks guy, yes or no? I like fireworks. I'm not huge on them. I won't do any myself. But if we want to see, I don't know like what they're doing in the city of Vicksburg as far as fireworks go. This, 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 you know, with all this, all the COVID and everything going on. So mm-hmm. If there's something going on and the kids want to go, we'll go to it. If not, we won't. There you go. But you're not going to the roadside fireworks stand to buy some. Oh no, 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 that's not for me. Um. My wife is eventually going to learn her lesson, Borky. As it pertains to fireworks. As it pertains to fireworks. That's all I'm talking about. Hey, the kids wanted some fireworks. Don't forget to stop by and pick some up. Uh, okay. (laughs) Happy to. And then I get to the register and they ring it up. And I, 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 in fairness, I was like, hold on, that can't be right. And they're like, yeah, let's ring them up again. And she she was off by a little bit, but I think I still probably did more than my wife intended. Black cats when she was like, you. "Hey, do you want to uh, you want to run by and grab some sparklers for the kids?" <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I I think I'm like the fireworks stand's dream too. The guy that that walks in and just completely gets sucked into the nostalgia of fireworks. Like, knowing full well there's going to be a fireworks show for me to watch, and yet I feel the need to have my own as well. And it goes from, oh, I'm going to grab a few bottle rockets and some sparklers to, I want to be Chevy Chase, 4th of July style. I want to be Clark Griswold, the Clark Griswold of Christmas at the 4th of July. I think that's what I want to be. And everybody Maybe. around you will hate you. Wait, somebody will hate me for shooting fireworks? Oh, you know it, Richard. Do you not? You're. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, do you think I live in Moscow? Uh, no, but you do live around people, and people are terrible. Yeah, I, I have no use or time in my life for anybody that doesn't sure. like fireworks at the 4th of July. I got the police called. The police were called on my house because I was having a loud party 
that featured 12 people and two Yeah, but babies. that was karma. That was karma, though. I mean, this was this was karma for the way that you have treated um, Christmas carolers through the years. See, if I reversed this course and kept, like, manufacturing a story that's not real about you, you wouldn't <laughs> like it, just for the record. Um, but, yeah, people suck. So... If I got the police called on me for just existing with more people than usual before coronavirus, uh, people are going to be mad that you're shooting off fireworks on the Day of Freedom. <sighs> They're going to really be mad if I do it the day before and the day after then. <laughs> well, that, you know, that's crossing, you know, that's getting into a, a different point. But you know, because you're celebrating freedom, some uh, just... It, Old fart somewhere is going to be, oh, that Richard Cross keeps shooting off his fireworks, and then once the sun sets, they'll get out and yell at you on their back porch. One of my neighbors was shooting off fireworks last year, and I didn't do anything for the 4th. I was doing housework and stuff. We had just moved. But one of my neighbors, like, where the backyards touch each other, so I don't know mm-hmm. who they are, and I've never really seen them, but my next-door neighbor... social of you. It, it's just... Our, we have tall backyard fences, and they're, like, I across and to I the understand. right. I understand. But my neighbor is shooting off, like, not even loud fireworks. I mean, these are like little bottle rockets and stuff. And the sun, like, right after the sun sets, which, as you would imagine, is the best time to shoot off fireworks on the 4th of July, guy gets on his back porch and said, the sun's down, put it up! Like, oh, okay. He kept shooting them, but, yeah. (laughs) The sun's down. Put them up. Put up the fireworks? Yep. Because apparently 8 o'clock is bedtime for everyone. I don't know if you're aware of this, good sir, or not, but daytime fireworks are proven to not be the best plan. (laughs) You have first-hand experience at that. Exhibit A, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and the power grid on the campus of the University of Mississippi. I still can't believe that that happened. I still cannot believe that that happened. <laughs> Richard and Wiggins Borky says he called the fuzz on you. Jeff says I love fireworks, but my golden tree uh, retriever scared to death of them. Yeah, it can be tough on dogs. I'll give you that. Uh, Mike in Grand Bay says my dogs hate fireworks. There's um a, a it's not mean. It's not inhumane. Uh, there's a, a thing that you can get from your vet, or I think pet stores even sell them that just calm their down. You're not really drugging your dog. I know it sounds like it, but it's not inhumane at all. So on CBD days like for this, do- for dogs that right. that'll really just kind of settle them down. Uh, and if if that doesn't work, oh you can... yeah, Chloe, Chloe's got anti anxiety medicine. Yeah. Back when back when she could hear, <laughs> like she, I mean, yeah, she's 14 now. She's kind of old and deaf, and she doesn't see real well and doesn't he- hear real well anymore. Um, I know how she feels. But back in the days where she could see and hear, I mean, she wigged out over thunderstorms. Generally speaking, Chloe has, I mean, she like tolerates me, but doesn't like me right up until the point when there's a thunderstorm. And then she is like, I'm her best friend. Uh, I, I don't know if for, for whatever reason, she doesn't go to Jane. That, so anyway, point being, we eventually got her some, you know, yeah. doggy anti-anxiety medicine. And uh, it was helpful. They help a ton. And those, uh, those vests, I don't know what you call them. You, you basically just... Straight strap jackets? it around your dog. You don't put them in a straight jacket. They can move around and stuff. But 
uh, apparently just the the pressure. What is it with Borky putting his dog and his baby into like bondage? Know, basically, uh, good lord. I don't know. Our, our dogs they don't have firework anxiety or or anything like that. But um, my wife is uh, a certified veterinary technician, and those are suggestions that when she was in practice used to give to people is that kind of medicine or you can buy them online for for very cheap on amazon and you, you it's just like it puts a bear hug on your dog that doesn't cover their legs or anything so they can still move around but apparently that pressure around their midsection calms them down as well for some reason donald in oxford says richard i don't know where you live in oxford but i just bought some fireworks to set off car alarms hope it's not yours <laughs> okay <laughs> richard and wiggins says cbd for pets yeah is CBD still a thing? Yeah, oh, very much so a thing. But but is it like it expl- is it one of those deals that like exploded onto the scene, and people are real fired up about it, and then just kind of fades away into the distance, like one of those Not fads, that- or is just going to be a thing that like, nah, hangs around? I think, it, I think it's going to hang. Around. I think it's got some staying power. Okay. Well, I mean, I say that you know, if, if they ever legalize, we're going way down the old political road here. If they ever legalize marijuana in the state, I guess it would go away. Yeah. Uh, Carol says it's really hard on horses, talking about fireworks. Mike in Oxford says, um, <laughs> Mike in Oxford on the ceasefire text line says, not necessarily old farts. Half of our young faculty at Ole Miss are completely against celebrating Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. I what he did there. Yeah, well, uh, and the thing is, maybe, maybe they ba- can get jobs at the University of Moscow. Yeah, I know Twitter's not everything, but based on a, a few of them's Twitter presence, he's not wrong. He is not wrong. Ceasefire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, Ceasefire is here to help. Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. Plus... Find options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations. You can shop now online at cspire.com. Well, we got some news out of College Station. And my initial reaction and my current reaction are diametrically opposed. They just are. And I will explain what I mean to you when we uh, come back in just a little bit. This afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line, We will be joined by Malcolm Reed. He'll have some ideas for you for 4th of July cooking on the grill or otherwise. Any suggestions? A lot of people like to do ribs. We will revisit Malcolm's tried-and-true rib recipe. We'll talk about Boston butts because a lot of people like to do that. We'll even play around with just plain old hamburgers and hot dogs and see if there's anything uh, that we can do to make them a little bit better than the way we do them right now. Also, Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies uh, Television Network will join us coming up as the NBA is now inside of a month until its season begins, and uh, they are getting ready to go with workouts and moving toward the bubble and all of those things. We'll talk NBA stuff with Rob Fisher coming up as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, just getting started on this Thursday, the 2nd of July. Buffett on uh, on Thursday since there will be no Friday. Beautiful. 
I mean, it. there will be a Friday. Just we won't be with you on Friday. God help us if there's not. Yes. Uh, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. So we were a little frivolous out of the gate today, and we might be a little frivolous uh, as the show goes along, but uh, let's lock in for a minute because uh, there's a fairly big story that broke today. Texas A&M has been penalized by the National Collegiate Athletics Association. I was scrolling through three different websites, and I was caught by the way the headlines read differently. ESPN, on its front page, says, NCAA penalizes Texas A&M football for violations. USA Today put, um, let's see here. There are two different headlines. There's the one when you open the story. NCAA penalizes Texas A&M football program. Jimbo Fisher hit with six-month show calls for violations. But... When you go to the uh, the main page, before you actually click on the article, it says SEC program, comma, coach hit with recruiting violations. It was like, let's get the SEC thing out there. And then you have the NBC Sports site, College Football Talk. And uh, how'd they frame it? Texas A&M gets one-year probation. Jimbo Fisher, six-month show calls for two minor NCAA violations. Um, I'll let you read into the way the headlines are written however you want to, but but here's the, the nuts and bolts. Texas A&M had a couple of recruiting violations. At least one of them involved the head coach, Jimbo Fisher. There was a violation for contacting a recruit prior to his junior season and there was violation for overworking their student athletes like spending more time doing practicing and meeting and whatnot than they were supposed to do and for that Texas A&M got one year of probation a fine of $5,000. Oh, man. <laughs> a reduction in football <laughs> official visits by 17 days. Texas, Texas A&M's biggest booster has a pair of shoes worth more than that. $5,000 fine, reduction, a reduction in football official visits for last year, the 1920 academic year, by 17 days. An off-campus recruiting ban for the entire football coaching staff from November of 2019, so that's done which reduced the permissible evaluation days by 19. A seven-day off-campus recruiting ban for the football coaching staff for the 2020 spring recruiting period. How does that work, since there was no spring recruiting period? Kind of hold over, doesn't it? You would think. Uh, A 10-day off-campus recruiting ban for the football coaching staff for the 2020 fall recruiting period. Texas A&M had to stop recruiting the player in question. There was a ban on recruiting any prospects from that prospect's high school last year, this year, and next year. And a six-month show cause for the assistant coach that is now on the staff at Tennessee and a six-month show cause for Jimbo Fisher. And he's got to issue a public statement addressing the NCAA violations. Oof. 
The six-month really show calls on Fisher. I mean, I read that and I was like, hold on. That, that's through the end of this year. Can he coach? Yeah, he can coach. He can't recruit. He just pretty much can't recruit. It, let me ask you this. Why does that not lead to a suspension of some kind? Hmm? A six-month show cause, and yet you can still collect your $7.5 million salary, whatever it is, and you can still coach. So what's the penalty? Well, I think very light recruiting right sanctions. Salary, yeah. So. <laughs> you know, he's not so. making $7 million, He's making $6,995,000 instead of $7 million. Yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, you really expect Texas A&M to suspend him? But, that, but that's, well, that's why I ask. So the terms of the show calls include a nine-day ban on phone calls with prospects in January of this year. So and, that's done. So that's done, and wow. I mean, ooh, that really showed him. Uh, a reduction in off-campus recruiting contact by three days for the December through January contact period. So that's three done. fewer days in a month, that's over. And a ban on all off-campus recruiting activities for the fall of 2020 contact period. So I guess he can't go see the high school games. That may not happen. Um, and then he has to get a rules education. So that is not a penalty at all. So you're going to have all this language. You're going to say all these things and give him a six-month show cause. But, I mean, nothing happens to him. Why right, boy, should a six-month show cause and a failure to have your program operate in compliance not lead to some kind of punishment? You know what I mean? This is nothing, yeah. which it usually is, but... Well, it's not nothing for, for everybody. Games. Now, different places get treated differently by the NCAA. Oh, Let's yeah, not forget like that. Uh, Mary Hart but, but, and Baylor gets their national championship taken away for something that's not as bad as this. But I, anyway. I mean, absolutely. Yes. Hey, Dad, I know you think I was trying to go down an Ole Miss road. I wasn't. I mean, it was the recent story that we just talked about in the exact same state. Where a coach, I'm just sitting here, man. I'm just, he, 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 I yeah, I saw you cut your eyes. I didn't do anything. I mean, at Mary Harden Baylor, a coach let a player borrow a 20-year-old Subaru with 197,000 miles on it because the kid didn't have a car, and we stripped them of a national championship. But that's that's they're lucky my, to still that, be playing football after that. My God, you're right. You, you're absolutely right. But here's the about face, Borky. This is what you weren't expecting from me. I would guess. My initial reaction to this was, oh, well, that's good news. Somebody in the SEC is on, uh, on probation. Hey, get, get, get some penalties. Maybe it'll make it a little easier for, uh, for the teams that are not in the, the chosen class within the hierarchy of the SEC to, uh, to be able to operate. That was my initial reaction. Very, uh, very petty. But you know what? I got to thinking about it. You know what my my now reaction is? This is so freaking stupid. This is so dumb. The NCAA is handing a six-month show cause and a year's probation to a couple of coaches at Texas A&M. Why? Why? Because they had a phone call with a 16-year-old high school kid that is about to be inundated for the next two years in terms of recruiting. But you didn't have your phone call with him or your little text message conversation with him in the right time window, and now we're slapping a great big old fine and penalty. Well, not a big fine. Great a little big fine. Calm down there, and a pe- sir. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a, a fine 
and a penalty and probation and recruiting restrictions and whatever. Did they break the rules? Of course they break the rules. Is it fine to punish them for it? Yeah, okay, fine. Punish them for it. One, it's light sentencing. Two, it wasn't a serious deal. And three, why the heck should we care? It was a phone call. They practiced seven hours over what they were supposed to practice, and they didn't put it into the little compliance database. Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Don't tell anybody, okay? I'm just going to whisper. Everybody practices more than they're supposed to. No, it's only 20 hours for everyone. So here we are doing the NCAA thing again. I mean, are you surprised? Of course you're not surprised. Is it an incredibly light penalty? Yes. But does the NCAA get to say, the enforcement agency of the National Collegiate Athletics Association reached an agreement with Texas A&M University through a negotiation process, and these are the penalties that the Aggies will face going forward. A little bit of a black eye for Texas A&M. Not the first time they've had NCAA issues. But, I mean, we're trying to figure out whether or not we can play over a global pandemic. There is so much work that has to be done to figure out what in the world the solution to the name, image, and likeness issue is going to be. What are we doing? And I'm glad, frankly, I'm glad it had happened to somebody besides Ole Miss or Mississippi State. So that I can have an opinion without being shaded, oh, you're just saying that because it's Ole Miss, or oh, you're just saying that because it's Mississippi State. Now I'm going to say it because it's Texas A&M and I don't care. And if you try to say, well, you're saying that because your friend Ross Bjork's yeah, shut up. Which I don't think anybody's saying that. It's just stupid. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of manpower. It's a waste of resources for the universities and on the NCAA side of things. Why not take care of stuff that matters, stuff that's important? Spend money on things that actually matter instead of defending yourself against the NCAA and vice versa. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Thursday afternoon, a couple of days from the 4th of July Alongside Memorial Day and maybe Labor Day, this is probably the uh, the weekend that more people gather for family picnics and outings and have family reunions, which usually means getting around the grill at some point. So we bring in our good friend Malcolm Reed from HowToBBQRight.com, our, uh, oh, I don't know, just expert on all things grilling. Malcolm, what's up, my friend? Man, I'm just getting ready for a big 4th of July. You guys got the grills ready? I think we're uh, I think we're good. Although this is going to be a little bit different for me, we're actually going to uh, to somebody else's place on the uh, on the lake, and so I'm not sure that I'm in charge of any of that. And for a change, that might not be the worst thing in the world. You know, you got a point. Now, as, as long as as long as you get your fix on barbecue, you know, it's always a little better if somebody else does all the work, right? <laughs> yep, yep. That's not uh, not a bad way to uh, to do it at all. All right. Tell me this. Uh, I mean, people talk about ribs. They talk about pulled pork. 
uh, Boston Butts for uh, for Fourth of July. Is is that where you start the conversation for this particular holiday? And you know, when I think of Fourth of July, I automatically think of ribs. And that's you know, when you guys asked me to come on today, I, I was I just happened to be doing my American as apple pie ribs recipe this week. So I've got a brand new one that, that I can share with you if you're game. I am absolutely game. Uh, should we set aside your your normal rib recipe and just kind of forget it for a second and think about doing going a different route? Is that is that what we're doing? Well, you know, it you can, you're usually doing more than one rack of ribs, so that's the great thing about it. It's kind of like doing chicken wings. You can you can play with different flavors on different ones and let people decide which one they like best. But this one's uh, not real out of the box, but it goes right along with the Fourth of July. All right, tell me again what you're calling it. American as apple pie ribs. <laughs> All right. I want to hear how we make American as apple pie ribs. All right. So you can use uh, baby bag ribs or spare ribs, whichever one you like. Uh, St. Louis cut ribs are probably my favorite because they're meaty. Um, what I do first is spritz the ribs with a little bit of apple cider vinegar. What that's going to do is wake up the outside of the meat, and it's going to make it sticky so that our rub uh, will adhere to it. Um, giving them a little bit of kosher salt and letting that kind of melt in for about 15 minutes. And then I'm using like a sweet barbecue rub. And if you have an apple rub that you like, uh, there's a bunch of different ones out there. You can use it here. But just a regular sweet barbecue rub will work, any of them. Um, the ribs are going to go on the pit with some apple wood for the smoke. We're forgoing the hickory and the, the uh, pecan and all that. We're going with straight apple wood. So we get a nice, mild, fruity flavor from the wood. And then I'm going to add some apple juice to that vinegar mixture that we that we initially sprayed them with. And I'm going to spritz these ribs about every 45 minutes with 50-50 apple juice and apple cider vinegar. It's going to add a sweetness and it's going to add a tanginess from the vinegar. Uh, once they get a good color, we're going to wrap them up. And this is where the apple pie part comes in. Um, I use half a stick of butter that I cut into pats, lay it down on mm. some foil. And then I take some apple butter, which if you don't know what apple butter is, think of a kicked-up applesauce. has brown sugar in it, has a little cinnamon, some other little flavors in it, and it's cooked down where the apples are kind of caramelized. That's going on top of the ribs right now as a glaze. Then we're going to turn them down in that butter and wrap them up with foil and let them get tender. It'll take about two hours in the apple smoke and two hours in the wrap. And at that point, you're ready to glaze them again. We're going to take them out of that foil, mix up your favorite barbecue sauce with about a half a cup of melted apple jelly. Notice that apple theme all the way through. We'll glaze that over the ribs, and it makes them look like a candy apple on a stick that you might see at a fireworks show. Malcolm, come on, man. Come on now. Oh, it sounds good. It's really easy, but we got all the apple components with them, and American is apple pie. That's what they say, right? All right. So, so what are they going to taste like? I mean, are they go? They're going to have a barbecue taste, but but a, a an apple kind of a sweet flavor. Is that well, the way to describe it? You know, and the apple flavor is really mild. It really cooks into the meat. Pork pork is one protein that really pairs well with apples. Um, you've probably seen, you know, like a, a fancy restaurants where they'll do like big, thick chops where they put with the baked apples with it. Or a lot of times it's stuffed. You see stuffed chops with apples or stuffed pork loin, and it just goes well. A lot of barbecue teams and, you know, these guys that have won 
the world champions were made, like Mike Mills up in Illinois, the Apple City Barbecue guys. They're, they're made famous cooking with apple wood. So it's not out of the box. And if you'll notice, a lot of the recipes, I use a lot of apple juice anyway and apple cider vinegar. So all those flavors pair well with it. Hmm. That sounds fantastic. Um, where can people, if people didn't get all of the notes on the recipe, can they go to your website and kind of pull what they need to do and have the step-by-step instructions? It should be live tonight. If I don't get it tonight, if I don't get it all uploaded in time, it will be there tomorrow in time for you to, to get everything you need for 4th of July. All right. So HowToBBQWrite.com is the website. HowToBBQWrite.com is the website. Either tonight or tomorrow you'll be able to uh, get that American as apple pie ribs recipe that you just heard Malcolm talk about, and it absolutely sounds fantastic. Um is Boston Butt a, a, a good plan for the 4th of July, or is that too much work for this weekend? No, I think, you know, um, everybody likes a good barbecue sandwich, and Boston Butt is the perfect cut of meat to make pulled pork with. Uh, you get a really good yield from it, and uh, I would just about bet that most of the grocery stores have them this week. I know the ones that I've seen up here in Hernando are all, you know, have them on sale because they know people are cooking barbecue. Um, Boston Butt's one of the easier cuts, really, to cook. It just takes some time. If you want to get some seasoning on the outside of it, just use your favorite barbecue rub and get it in some smoke. Now, with, with the butt, I like to put some hickory to it or pecan. I like a little bit of harder wood to really get that smoke down into the meat. And then it's the same way the same way as ribs. You want to wrap it once you get some good color. The outside starts to get dark. Wrap it up with a little bit of apple juice in the foil. That's really going to get it tender. That's going to get it falling apart. And then once it gets about 200 degrees internal temperature, Use a thermometer to check that internal temperature. Get it off the pit and let it rest a little bit and pull it up. Pull it apart by hand, man. It'll make some fantastic uh, barbecue pulled pork. Malcolm Reed is on your radio. His website is howtobbqright.com. He's joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Malcolm, we've all had burgers that didn't taste as good as some other burgers. But generally speaking, home-grilled burgers are just the way to go. And, And I know that's simple and it's basic, but to be perfectly honest, it's something that we do at my house, if not once a week, certainly once every two weeks, and the kids always love it, and it's fun, and it's easy, and it's fast. Is there anything in particular, if you're just doing regular ground beef, where you don't you know, buy it already padded out and they're seasoned, that, that you do for your burgers to just kind of give them a little something extra? I like, you know, I like to, the, the big part to me is getting the perfect form patty. And what I did, I mean, I've always had one of these, like, plastic Tupperware burger presses that's been handed down from my grandma huh. and my mom to me. <laughs> but, but I found one, uh, not to plug Amazon, but I found a metal burger press on Amazon, and it lets me dial in the size of a burger I want, whether it's a quarter pound or half pound. And, it, and what using that burger press does, it helps me not pack the patty too much. Because a lot of times if you're working it by hand, you're heating the meat up, and it's kind of changing the texture of it. But if you'll use a burger press to form those patties, it'll pack it just firm enough to where the meat's held together, but it's not uh, overly packed where it's set like a meatloaf texture. That's what I don't really care for burgers that have that packed feel to them. Now, when it comes to season them, man, you're not going to go wrong with salt, pepper, and garlic. There's a lot of great, you know, a lot of great burger seasonings out there, but I guarantee you all of them have salt, pepper, and garlic. You can make up your own. Uh, if you don't mind, I'll give a quick recipe. It's uh, one part salt to two parts granulated garlic to uh, 
to a quarter part black pepper. And those parts, I usually use cups because I'm making a big batch. But if you're just doing a few burgers, you can use a tablespoon. So it's one tablespoon of salt, half a tablespoon of granulated garlic, and a quarter tablespoon of, of black pepper. It's that easy. And then just mix it all up and shake it out on over the burgers. I mean, that's kind of the way that I go, too. I mean, not particular, necessarily that, but, I mean, just kind of a, a pretty generic seasonal uh, that goes along with a, I like Worcestershire on burgers. Not not heavy, just kind of a splash to let it soak in a little bit. Is that advisable or not so much? Oh, yeah, I've done that before, and I like that flavor, too. You know, Worcestershire kind of gives a, a little steakhouse feel to it, to, to me. Um, another little trick I do when I'm making my burgers, right before I put them on the grill, I'll put a little thumbprint right kind of in the middle of them, almost not, not all the way through like a donut, but just a thumbprint. And what that's going to do, it's going to keep those burgers from turning into meatballs once you put them on the grill. You never want to mash your burger when you're grilling it. You really just want to turn it one time, lift it up and turn it because you're pressing all the juice out. Um, but if you put a little indention in it, it'll keep it from blowing up like a meatball. Hmm. I've never heard that before. That's a, a good way to go. Hey, all right, so what's the perfect size on burgers for you? Is it quarter pound, third pound? What are we doing? Man, I'm a half pound. I'm, I like an 80-20 ground chuck, <laughs> okay. so 80% lean, 20% fat, and I like to start with a half pound burger because I know I'm going to lose some of that uh, weight from that fat cooking down, but it's going to be yep. a way juicier burger. I love it. Half pound burgers at the Cross House coming up. Malcolm, always appreciate your time. Hope you have a great Independence Day weekend. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great holiday, too. We'll see you next time. Website. Check out the uh, rib recipe, the new one tomorrow, howtobbqright.com. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael uh, Borky, and uh, Brian Haydep. Thanks for being with us on this podcast. Thursday afternoon. What a fun conversation with uh, Malcolm Reed. I had no idea about the the thumbprint in the middle of a a burger patty. I had no idea. Keep it from blowing up meatball style? Hey, Dad, did you know that already? Is that something you practiced? I have done that, yes. Yeah. What about those ribs? I'll be checking that video out as soon as it's online. Is there a chance you're cooking ribs this weekend, hey, Deb? There's 0% chance I'm cooking ribs. I, th- I told you, I'm going to my mom's. There's no grill. Oh, that's right. Plus, you like to take advantage of her cooking when you're av- available, right? She does want me to cook. She's been seeing all the, these these pictures I've been putting online, and she's like, why didn't oh. you ever cook like this when I'm at home? And I was like, well, now. So now I think she wants me to cook on uh, one day, at least one day this week. What what uh, what are you going to cook to impress mom? I don't know yet. I I, I you know, I normally have the big plan, but I haven't really thought about it. So, yeah. Borky, any chance know, for you to do ribs this weekend? Yeah, not those though. I'm gonna do beef ribs, I think, on Saturday. I'm doing uh, swordfish steaks tomorrow night that I'm really Ooh. looking forward to. That'll be good. Nice. Can't figure out what I want to lay them on top of though. So I've got one third of the dish ready. I want to add two more elements, and I want to put it on a bed of something. Haven't quite figured out what yet. I don't love swordfish as much as some. I don't know if it's because it's... 
like a little steakier. Like, like it's a little heartier fish than yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not flaky. Know. No, it's no, much easier know. to to grill as a result. But yeah, that means it's a little bit tougher as a fish. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're right about that. I tell you, we we've gotten to the point where we're throwing salmon on the grill a lot. Uh, Jane loves it. Obi absolutely loves it. And so I just do kind of like a little on the fly marinade with some mustard and some honey and like some Lowry seasonal and maybe a little bit of garlic in there and just kind of whip it up and drizzle that over the top and then put it on foil and set it on the grill. Oh, man, it cooks up great. Nice little flavor. You guys like salmon? I do. You can just do so much with it. Yep. Like it grilled, like it baked, like it raw. That's a good point. Not a lot of... You like tuna? Yeah. Yeah, very much. Like, not necessarily tuna fish, but like... No, I don't like... Oh, I don't like tuna out of the can at all, but a, a tuna steak, I'll eat that all day. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you get raw tuna, like good, fresh, raw tuna, where it's oh. just been seared to the point where it was like... Tss, tss, and then yeah. got some good kicking wasabi. Thirty <laughs> seconds in the pan. That's all it needs. Mm, Thirty seconds might be about fifteen too long. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm with you on that. So, um, ceasefire text lines open six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. Mister West sends us a message. He says, "Ahi tuna." Yep, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Right there with you. Um, Mike sends us a picture. He is doing. Beef short ribs basted with uh, Malcolm Reed's vinegar sauce and Gosling's ginger beer. Not bad. Not bad at all. Send us a picture of them. They look fantastic. Roger and Ryanzi says he's doing brisket this weekend. Did you ever get around to trying that, Morky? I did. It, it ended up really well. I didn't trim it the way I wanted to. And also, it, I, I went to uh, uh, Sam's because... Mm-hmm. Their their brisket, which was bigger, was half the price of the grocery store near my house. Literally half. So I went there, but the problem is it was so big, it I had to like kind of push it together to fit it on the smoker, and uh, that kind of screwed it up a little bit. But it ended up fine. Mm. Hey, by the way, you got a suggestion on here. You, you said you were looking for the bed uh, to to put your uh, swordfish steaks on. Hey, here it is. I'm taking a picture of that right now to save it. He suggests a bed of Israeli couscous. He said that's not the uh, that's the big couscous with sun dried tomatoes, feta, and fresh spinach tossed in. That sounds incredible. It really does. Really does. Yeah, it's gonna be good. I'm glad that we um, we don't ingest calories based on talking about food on the air. <laughs> God. Like the job of the hut over here. <laughs> oh me! We got more to get to with you this afternoon. Uh, have barely scratched the surface in terms of sports. Good times with uh, Malcolm Reed. Rob Fisher will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up a little bit later in the four o'clock hour. We might be able to check in with our buddy JT as well. Just got a message from him. Was hoping that we could get JT and Malcolm on at the same time, but that didn't uh, didn't work out today. So. Uh, in fact, I think we'll do that when we come back. We'll, we'll take check in with JT and see how he's doing. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. We are back right after this. Nibbling on sponge cake. 
Thursday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. JT joins us right now. Uh, just felt like a good day to check in. My friend, what's up? Hey, Richard. What's going on? Hey, Dad. Borky, what you guys doing? Everything is good. We are, uh, if we're being honest, we're all looking forward, I think, to a, a day off tomorrow to uh, celebrate or start celebrating this weekend, 4th of July, Independence Day. And uh, we had some fun talking with Malcolm about uh, what we all need to be doing on the grill. Isn't he a great guy? I mean, he is just class act, super Mississippi boy. Good guy. He's been on with us for years. And, you know, I noticed Haydad's kind of took up the slack since I've been out. With some of the barbecue in there, and I'm been pretty impressed. Hey, Dad. Well, well, thank you, JT. I, I know what I'm doing back there. I, you know, I, I didn't just start uh, just start last week. So, a lot of people, especially in my family, I think I mentioned that before the break, were like, "We didn't know you could do that." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I, I had a good teacher. My mom was a good cook, and just well, sort of know, figured you, out the rest of myself. I tell everybody, you don't know till you try. You know, you try yeah. something, you mess it up, big deal. You know, try it again. Um, I'm not doing a whole lot of barbecue in these days. I've actually got my daughters. I kind of taught her how to grill a little bit. She helps me when we get out and grill and do some things. But uh, I haven't been doing a whole lot of grilling. But I'll tell you one thing I like to do. I don't know if I've ever told you guys this. And I, I commented on one of your tweets somebody had sent you, Hey, Dad. That's mm-hmm. really fun to do on the grill. It's really I mean, on the smoker. And it's really good and it's cheap. It's just to get a big old fat chuck roast. And yeah. put it on the smoke. Put it on the smoker. Been doing, been doing that for years, man. And smoke it yeah. for about three hours, and then wrap it up in some apple juice, or if you like it savory, wrap it up in like some beef broth or something. I like the apple juice. I like the sweet side of it because then once it starts to get tender, you can cube it up, and then uh, put it off in some barbecue sauce and put it back on the smoker and make like I call it poor man burn ends. Part, yeah, exactly. Do yeah, do it with a chuck roast and not a brisket. Yeah, lot cheaper, hmm. lot cheaper. No, uh, no doubt. JT, how are you feeling? We haven't talked to you in oh, I don't know, three weeks, a month, something like that. I'm feeling pretty good, man. I uh, I've been at the doctor all day today. I had to do uh, I do a little chemo today, a little maintenance there, and uh, then I had to go do another doctor's appointment. But uh, I've been doing really good. And then two weeks ago, man, I came down with the shingles. Oh. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you guys something. Let me give you a little advice. I know they say, I don't know what the protocol is, but you know there is a shingles vaccine that you can take. I think they say you take it if you're 50 or older or 60 or older. I'm not sure which one. But when the time comes, take my advice. Get the vaccination. They didn't do anything to me in the hospital that hurt as bad as having the shingles for two weeks. And that kind of got me off schedule with doing some of the chemo and things, but man, that was rough, dude. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. It's, all the, it's the chicken pox virus that's still in your body from when you had chicken pox when you were a kid. And what it does is it goes up and it gets into your nerve endings and your skin and it gives you a really bad rash. A lot of people will get it on their trunk where I had it. Some people get it on their face and it can even get in your eyes and it's really bad. But uh, it was it was a battle, man. It was... I'm telling you, that hurt. It really did. But other than that, I'm doing great, man. I really you know, JT, it, it, it's interesting given that 
we're on the radio, whether it's talking about sports like we do most of the time, unless we venture off into barbecuing or politics like you do, unless you venture off into sports or stuff on the grill or whatever, ultimately we're all looking for content. And I can't decide if I feel bad for you for having missed all of the content that 2020 has provided or if I envy you for having been able to sit out and skip on the content that we've had so far this year. Well, you know, I always have a running joke, Richard. Anytime I take vacation, all the good stuff happens. Well, I didn't intend on this little vacation, this sabbatical I got here. That wasn't planned, but obviously there's been a lot of things that have transpired since the last time I was on here solo back in January. But, yeah, it's been interesting to watch it all happen. You know, I was on yesterday and uh, was visiting with the guys yesterday during my show, and we were talking about COVID. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to stay as positive as I can about this, but I tell you guys that football's not looking good. It's it's looking grim for high school and for and for college. I think the NFL is going to pull off something. But college and high school, I, I've got my doubts, man. Yeah, I, uh, I I was not there a month ago. A, a month ago, you know, June first, end of May, first week of June, I was was really really confident, and I, I've almost tried to kind of stick with a half glass full approach to this thing and say, you know, I'm less confident than I was, but I think it's just spinning it. It feels like we're we're moving toward scary. I here's the crazy thing though for me, JT. I think we're going to have a college football season. I just don't know what exactly it's going to look like, and I don't know exactly when it's going to start. I think we're probably uh, by ourselves on this. I think, hey, Dad, I'll take you on this. I think we'll know in two weeks. What do you think? If not, it's going to be by the end of this month. I'll just say that. By August 1, we're going to know. Well, you know, I know you all talked about this because I heard it. The MHSAA was talking about maybe flipping – Flipping the season, yeah. putting contact sports in the spring, and uh, I know they. I think Tennessee yesterday pushed back practice. Tennessee pushed back their first practice till August 29th. Heck, in Mississippi, we played two high schools, maybe three games, usually by then. So I don't know. This COVID is really, it's really been a mess, and and I want to say this. I said it yesterday. And for all you freedom-loving people out there, and for God's sake, I'm as much a conservative and about freedom and everything as much as anybody else. But if you think wearing a mask is, is treading on you, or if you think it's, it's, it's alienating you or stomping on your rights, I think you really need to stop and think about your fellow neighbor. I saw a meme, and it made perfect sense. Showed a picture of Davis Wade Stadium full. It was a meme. Full stadium, football. And it said, if you want this, wear this. And it was a picture of a mask. So everybody get over their self-righteousness and quit acting like they're better than somebody else because somebody's telling them to do something. Put on a mask when you go out. And it's not just for yourself, but it's for everybody else. And that's how we're going to, that's the, one of the quickest ways we can slow this stuff down. I mean, I've been at the doctor all day. I had to wear a mask all day. It sucks. It's hot. I get it. I understand it. But do it. It's the right thing to do. And if we had a real, really super serious disease, people wouldn't even be saying this. I, I think it's just complacency where it's coming from, too. I think that's yeah. got something to do with it. But J- JT, I do have bad news for you. 
Well, you're you're not going to be coming back to the the exact same place that you left. You know, generally speaking, Super Talk Mississippi is considered to be fairly conservative. But oh, yeah. based on some of the content and uh, uh, some of the comments that we've gotten, uh, our our good friend Paul Gallo is now the Joe Biden of of talk radio, and right. I am a liberal carpetbagger. Why don't you move to the north? You fill in the blank. So um, welcome, it may not be exactly the same place you left. Welcome to my world, Richard. Hey, look, <laughs> let me let me explain. Somebody told me this a long time ago. There was a guy got me in. He got first when I first started in radio back in the late eighties, early nineties. He told me two things. He said, "Don't get an ego unless the red light's on," which is probably the best advice he ever gave me. And I'm talking about the on-air light. But the other advice he gave me, he said, "It doesn't matter what they say about you, as long as they spell your name right." So don't worry. Don't don't lose any sleep over it, man. It, it, oh no! Well, dang it! it they spelled my name wrong on that letter. Well, I'm screwed because oh. nobody says my name or spells my name right. <laughs> Listen, I, I know there's strong feelings on both sides, but Mississippi did the right thing. We were the last guy standing. Yes, at sir. The yes, sir. Standing in the stag line, looking like a fool, and put the flag where it's got to go. There's no reason to talk about it anymore. And and I know you know. Hey, it may cost may cost a listener or two if they're that upset about it. I'm not going to lose sleep over something that that is hurtful to other people, even though it might mean something to somebody else. It's sort of like wearing a mask. Do what's right by your neighbor, and uh, think about it that way. And think about it what what's the right thing to do. Sort of like the golden rule, you know. That's right. That's right. JT, it's hey, always good to catch up with you. Y'all have a great Fourth of July, man. And, I look forward to talking to you. Y'all call me anytime, man. Sorry, I, was, I didn't have my phone when you tried me earlier, but I'll talk no to problem. you anytime you want, man. All right, my friend. We'll uh, we'll all celebrate America's birthday this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. I'll be back with y'all in the office soon. Can't wait. That oh, is buddy. JT, host of the JT Show. He's had a little bit of an unplanned vacation, but we're certainly looking forward to getting him back soon. And uh, hoping those treatments continue to uh, go well and he can stay well. And avoid the shingles. My goodness gracious, that's awful. More coming up with you. Sports Talk Mississippi, Rob Fisher from the Memphis Grizzlies Television Network will join us when we continue on this Thursday. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go again to the Farm Bureau phone line and visit with Rob Fisher. He is the sideline television reporter for the Memphis Grizzlies on Fox Sports South. He is kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon. We've made it to July, and July is the month, Rob, where it looks like we're going to get the NBA back. Is there optimism uh, with everything moving forward, or is all the stuff that's going on around us in terms of uh, spikes in coronavirus, positive tests, you know, all over the place, is that causing pessimism? I th- I think there's still optimism. I, at okay. least from me, uh, at least from me, there's optimism. Um, I think that's why we still got another what 28 days until we're playing. That these things were expected. The positive tests from the teams were expected. Now you get to Orlando, you quarantine, and then you have a training camp, and you hope that those numbers are really nullified more than anything. But, you know, players are going to have to do their part. 
staff members are going to have to do their part. Everyone's going to have to make sure that they social distance and everyone, you know, does what you're supposed to do and self-quarantines, and, and I think we'll have basketball. I, I'm not pessimistic about it. I think they knew the negative aspects going in, and uh, now it's about uh, making those numbers even better. To, to me, the thing that, that gives me optimism is Adam Silver continuing to say we believe, ultimately, our players are going to be safer inside the bubble than outside the bubble, and that's why they feel confident in going forward with it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely it makes sense. And and I think uh, there's some truth to that. I mean, they're, they're literally going to self-quarantine these guys, you know, for 14 days uh, for the first two weeks or the first 10 days or something. I, I, I don't know the exact days, but before they can even, you know, leave their rooms. So... Yeah, they're going to be safer. They might, it might drive them crazy, uh, you know, wanting to just get out and, and wanting to just get out in the sunshine and, and being able to do some things. But um, but I think, um, you know, as long as everybody does their part, I think it works. I think the NBA has a good plan, and I think they've answered a lot of things already in the time that since they've made the announcement to now. And, again, like I said, they still got 28 days. And while we wish it was all a little sooner – I think it's smart that the NBA did it this way because there are going to be bumps in the road and things to figure out as we go along in these next four weeks. What's this going to look like from a TV product standpoint? Well, I don't know. Um, I I guess TV-wise, other than sound effects from crowds, I I guess it'll, it'll look like a basketball game. Um it'll 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 be different you know i think you'll hear the the squeak on the shoes a little bit more i think you'll hear the coaches a little bit more you'll hear the referees and the banter between the refs and the players and between the refs or between the players and the players and the players and the coaches i think you'll hear a lot more of that i think it's going to look a lot like watching summer league basketball when they had summer league in orlando you know small gyms not many people there and it just looks like basketball broadcast wise I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I mean, you know, we're uh, we're kind of learning new things and trying to be creative along the way, and and uh, you know, we're gonna be calling games off of a monitor, so it's gonna be a little difficult. But you know, I think uh, you'll get used to it and and just kind of call the game the way you see it, and they know that the fans are seeing it the same way you're seeing it. So it's uh, everything's different, Richard. It's it's going to be weird, but I think it's also a part that makes it compelling. I think we're going to see things that we're not used to seeing when we watch an NBA level game. And, you know, talking about it looking like summer league, well, it's going to look like summer league, except for the players are going to be the best in the world. And, yeah. and to see it in that environment, it's going to be really different. Uh, I talked to the former coach Dave Yeager the other day and, you know, he, and I agree with him. I think it's about, the mentally strong team, the team that's together as a unit. Uh, and I think that cohesion is going to be more important than ever uh, because you're going to have to be mentally strong and in it together and, and, and some sort of focus you're going to have to have because a lot of these guys haven't played in this environment since grade school. Rob, you'll forgive me for being a TV nerd, but I, I am curious what it's going to look like. So <laughs> you, you guys will do the broadcast. I mean, is there going to yeah. be a you know a, a countdown pregame show where it's you and Brevin and Chris, and and you'll bring yeah. Pete into it, and then for the game, it's going to be you and Pete and Brevin, and 
uh, what? I mean, will you be at FedEx Forum? Or are you going to do it from from the spot where you guys normally did it, just without any fans in the background? What what's it going to look like? <laughs> I I don't know. We don't really know all the details. Still kind of figuring it out as we go on, you know, what location and. Yeah, it'd be done at FedEx Forum. It's just a matter of where do we want to do it. Do we want to do it on the floor where we're comfortable um, in front of an empty arena, or do you want to do it in a studio where maybe you're a little more uncomfortable? So, I mean, those are things that still need to be figured out. Um, yeah, there's going to be a half-hour pregame show, just like normal, With well, except for the fact that there will be no fans behind us, nothing going on in the in the building. Um, we will have. A are you going to shout out Canada? Shout out Canada as often as we can. We'll have a long, uh, a normal post game show as well, which I assume, you know, all the details haven't been worked out, but some sort of Zoom like post game interviews and reactions. I mean, it's everything's going to be different. Now it's going to look. It's gonna, the first time I see it, it's going to be the first time you see it. So hmm. there are no practice games and no, you know, scrimmages that we can go over. It's just. It's going to happen, and it's uh, that first night's going to be, uh, you know, you'll see it for the first time like we do. And, and Rob, it's going to be all over the place. I mean, right? I mean, there might be a one o'clock Eastern to a noon yeah. Central time tip off where you're doing an eleven thirty a.m. pregame show on a Tuesday. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I think the Grizzly schedule has them with one o'clock uh, Central time start times or noon start times, and then there are a couple of three o'clock start times and a couple of five thirties. I mean. There's not a normal start time through these eight games for the Grizzlies. Because, yeah, games are going to be going, I think it's from 1 o'clock Central to 9 o'clock Central. So, yeah, there are going to be games all day being played. And uh, it's, I mean, dude, there are so many interesting, compelling storylines to it that I, you know, the only thing, the, the only reason I wish that I could be there would to experience this unique moment and this unique experience although i think after about five days i'd be like okay i got it <laughs> i'd like to i'd like to get out of here now so uh, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be compelling and different interesting stuff to watch on tv because it'll be something you've never seen in route to likely what is a rookie of the year award john morant has been flawless on the basketball court and has made i i can't think of any missteps that he has made off the court, and then a little bit of controversy uh, with the Instagram post tweet with with what he said about the police. H- how big a deal is that? How's that been viewed in Memphis? Um, he quickly had an, an apology for the tweet and, and explained himself. So I think because of that, it really hasn't been viewed negatively whatsoever. Um, I think the the city kind of they know Jaw's stance because it's not the first time that he's spoken out, and I think people at least in Memphis uh, realize you know that he's going to be a guy that's going to speak out and speak his mind and stand up for what he believes is right, and uh, I think he's admired for that. So he has a slip up and quickly apologized. I think uh, I think the reaction in Memphis was, "Hey, we knew what you were talking about, so you know hmm. we got your back," and I, and I think that's been the reaction here maybe raised a couple of eyebrows eyebrows around the country, but most of the reaction nationally was even the same thing. You know, he's young, but boy, he acts like an adult and and made it very clear that he's not going to stop speaking up. So I I think he's got a lot of respect around the league for not only the player that he is, but the maturity that he has at such a young age is, is, is remarkable. 
Rob, last thing for you. This uh, this eight-game schedule for the Grizzlies is not easy. Portland, San Antonio, New Orleans, Utah, OKC, Toronto, Boston, and then Milwaukee to close it out. Hopefully Milwaukee will be resting Giannis by uh, that point, and it won't be an issue. Can they do enough to hold on to the eight spot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, with the three-and-a-half-game lead going in, uh, I think he, I, I think they go no worse than three and five. And, you know, anything over that I think would be bonus with that schedule. It's going to be very difficult. But, mm-hmm. you know, you go three and five, I think you still hold on to the eight spot because you're talking about the other team needing to go seven and one. And they haven't been able to do that all season long. So I don't think anybody in that group that's fighting for eight can go seven and one. So Grizzlies have it much in their favor with the three and a half game lead. So not really concerned about it. And, uh, you know, take it game by game and, that's what's going to be weird about it. Because of how weird and unique this whole situation is going to be, you go into that first game not really knowing how it's going to play out, you know, how it's going to go for full, from from there on forward. You know, Grizzlies could be one of those young, they just don't know any better teams. And they're used to playing AAU tournaments like this. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's, 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 it's going to be interesting for sure. Get that eight seed and then get the Lake Show in the uh, in the first round. That could be okay. a lot of fun, or maybe not, depending yeah. on how you look at it. But we'll see. <laughs> hey, playoff basketball would be a lot of fun, regardless. No question, especially where this uh, franchise has been the last few years. Rob, great visiting with you. Excited for some hoops. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Always a pleasure. It's Rob Fisher on the Farm Bureau phone line. Favorites.com, that's the website where you can go for a quote. We'll be right back. More Sports Talk Mississippi coming up. Boy, this is a hold up. Keep a pump in and don't run it now. I wish I was back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at... Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Did you short out there? No, I had my microphone turned off. I forgot I've got this board, and I turned it off because I made a phone call during the break. Here's a uh, spoiler alert. No, you didn't. I didn't what? Turn my microphone off? off. Yeah. What, when I was talking just a second ago? Yeah, no, we heard the intro twice. Really? Yep. Huh. <laughs> well, what's the whole point of the, the red button and the green button then? So, I don't all right, know. I'm. I'm just gonna. I'm like. I'm gonna count to ten, and tell me if if it doesn't stop. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It never went away. Never went away. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> good to know. I, I mean, I thought I had like a built-in cough button now too. Like I could, you know, turn the mic off and go away and co- well. I was wondering what you were doing uh, during that interview. I think it was with JT, actually, not with Rob. Hey, hey Dad's talking, but I don't hear him. I see. Yeah, that's you might be messing with that then, because I don't hear him. How could I be messing with that? No, Hey Dad, we don't hear you. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening here. No, hey, Dad, you do not get to leave for the 4th of July break just yet. But but the thing is, I can hear him ever so faintly. He pressed a button he wasn't supposed to press, I think. Talk to us, hey, Dad. Hello? See? You can hear that, can't you? Yeah, but just barely. Just, I mean, barely. Yeah, that's something on your end. 
Live radio, my friends. What is going on? There he is. There it is. Hey. What did you do, hey Dad? <laughs> I turned my mic all the way up, but it wasn't it wasn't all the way up in any previous segment where you complained about me saying anything. <laughs> all right, well, I I, I've got to know the now. Interview with Rob Fisher, you were coughing the whole time, and I was like, yeah, "Why doesn't he touch the cough there. button?" And now we find out you don't you don't have a cough button. Yes, I you thought, thought I was did, coughing. But... Apparently, I'm going to have to do like to go away. See that works. Oh, that yeah, works, I just yeah. like slid the volume all the way down. Anyway. Uh, you uh, I'm going to cut that right there, and that'll be our promo for the next month. Yeah, Like during Which, Paul or JT's show, it'll just be that, and then listen to Sports Talk from 3 to 6, and then that'll be the end of the promo. Maybe, yeah. maybe listen to Sports Talk. It depends on us. <laughs> um, all right, some news out of the Pac-12. This is from uh, Larry Scott. All right, Borky, now I'm hearing an echo as well. Might be in somebody's headphones. That's that's what that's what that is. <laughs> because hey, Dad's running his mic at like thirty decibels. Something like that. Yeah, that's what that is. And now he's off. <laughs> what? No, I'm here. Richard's off. <laughs> Wait, that that made me go away when I hit that button. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> This is the greatest segment we've ever had. I love this so much. All right, so behind the curtain, we've got a brand new studio in Oxford, and I've had a lot of different control panels and control boards uh, through the years, but I've never had one quite like this. I mean, this is like a pure radio console, and it's a little bit different, and I don't think I've got all the uh, buttons quite figured out just yet. I still don't fully know this board. So, I don't know anything. Well, I won't say it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> was low hanging fruit. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, Larry Scott, Pac 12, he did an interview with uh, Pac 12 Hotline, which is kind of the columnist and the part of the uh, Mercury News, which is part of the Bay John Area Wilner. News Group. Yeah, John Wilner. A- exactly. So he did an interview with uh, John Wilner and basically said that the Pac-12 is ready for just about any scenario that could be thrown their way, and they are ready to pivot quickly if necessary. Larry Scott says, I was cautiously optimistic about playing a 12-game regular season that starts on time, but the last couple of weeks have changed everyone's outlook because of the extent to which restarting the economy and loosening restrictions has led to significant outbreaks. He says, I still want to be cautiously optimistic, but if there's no change in society's response and behavior, which results in a quick flattening of the curve and a decrease in the spread of the virus, that would lead to much uh, a much more pessimistic view about our campuses being able to open and our ability to play college sports. Anyway, a lot of words there. Here's the meat of the article. Larry Scott outlined to John Wilner, the Pac-12 has done modeling. They have modeled multiple solid scenarios for the season, and this is the reason that they believe they are positioned to do whatever they need to do. They've modeled playing all 12 games as scheduled, which frankly doesn't take a lot of modeling. They have looked at the potential for a delayed start to the year and all of the things that go along with that. They have taken into account the possibility of a conference-only schedule which you may remember they play nine conference games in the Pac-12, not eight, like the SEC and 
I can't even remember who it is that does and doesn't. Pac-12 plays nine, Big 12 plays nine, and the Big 10 was moving to nine, is that right? And SEC and ACC are still at eight, I think. Let's see. Um, hey, that screwed himself up again. Uh, Ohio State appears to only have three non-conference games, so yeah. Okay, there you go. Hey, Dad, I don't know, man. I, I, I got no idea. You want to try one more time just to see? <laughs> it, Galaxy brain take here. He's doing this on purpose so he can leave early. Yeah. Well, just sit tight. We'll try and figure it out in the break. <laughs> I'm sure that's just what he wanted to hear. Um, okay, so so those scenarios are in play. And then Larry Scott says we could turn on a dime because of all the legwork we've put in. Interestingly enough, he says that other Power Five conferences are having similar conversations internally. He says there are scenarios... Oh, I'm sorry. And in addition to that, at the highest level of the Pac-12, at the president and chancellor level, they're talking about all the different things within the conference. Larry Scott says there are scenarios where we move as a conference together and scenarios where not everyone can, but most can. He says, to be clear, I'm not saying we would go in that direction. I just want to underscore that we're looking at everything. I feel like this is about the most candor that we've gotten from a conference commissioner. And I don't think he'd be saying these things, these things, if there wasn't at this point some very legitimate concern about not playing football in September. Yeah, and how could there not be? I mean, one of his member institutions, uh, Southern Cal, apparently is not going to conduct uh, very little, if any, in-person classes this fall. Like, they're already preparing to not have any in-person instruction. So if you're not going to have any in-person instruction – you can't have a football team on campus playing games. You you just can't do that. That's not something that they'll do. So that screws up the SEC now because what's Alabama going to do in week one? And it's just a mess. Um, I think it would be, forgive me for being cynical, I think it would be a bigger story if we did not have, even though he's being refreshingly honest and it's nice to hear, it would be a bigger story if they weren't planning for all of these scenarios given. I mean, I'm sure you've heard more than I have considering your connections versus mine, but I've talked to people that said that the SEC would really and truly look at like a 10-game schedule where you only play SEC teams. That's something that they have looked at even if it was just for five minutes before they shot it down. But those kind of scenarios, everything that they can think of that they could do to help or mitigate something that comes their way, they've been preparing for. I've heard a bunch of different ideas floated. I mean, the the idea that you add a conference game where you go nine conference games and to play a 10-game schedule, you play one kind of regional rival. Uh, that would allow for Georgia and Georgia Tech still to play each other. Clemson and South Carolina still to play each other. Uh, Ole Miss Florida and Southern Florida State. Oh, never mind. Porky. <laughs> Just couldn't help that, couldn't you? 
Just couldn't help it. Uh, so, yeah, you can still have those kinds of games in addition to nine conference games. And then there's the idea that, you know, you just play within your conference. And to me, the, the fascinating thing about that would be, okay, if you go just playing within your conference, would you have Conference USA and the Sun Belt and the Southland and all those conferences who don't have TV deals to still try and recruit money from, would they participate along those lines or would they just say, you know what, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever for us? Sports Talk Mississippi. Herschel says our technical difficulties were great comedy. He said, although I suspect we, the listeners, are enjoying it more than you are trying to figure out what is happening to your system. Hi, hey, Dad. Hey, Richard. What button did you press? I didn't push a button. Evidently, a cord was loose. So we have a thing when uh, my kids go along with me to play golf. They all have this inability to not either touch the key and turn it on or off, or the button where you press to go forward or in reverse. Or, in the case of what they generally do, they knock it into neutral. And so you jump back in the cart and you press the gas and nothing happens. And I go, guys, don't mess with the key. Or we didn't touch it. Obi, don't press that button where the forward and reverse are. You got it in neutral. I didn't do that. What? Well, did it just press itself? Buddy? <laughs> well, I mean, I, mean, I didn't I mean to. That. If I did, maybe I bumped it and I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe that happens every single time you get in and out of the cart. It's amazing. Accidentally. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I was equating that to everything on your end was working properly, and then all of a sudden, I didn't touch anything, but it I doesn't didn't work. Touch anything, but I didn't. Right. Right. I just sure, I fiddled Obi. this cord here. This mm-hmm. cord here. Mm-hmm. And that's what. I mean, I, I didn't believe you. You're calling me a liar, you. Cross? I'm just saying everything was working, and then all of a sudden it wasn't working, and nobody else touched anything. Button. My God. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, 601-879-4395 is the number if you would like to be a part of the conversation. All right, hey, Dad, I know you could hear a second ago, even though you weren't talking, the whole Pac-12 story. Larry Scott, they're getting ready for a bunch of different scenarios. What do you make of all that? Well, it's smart. I mean, that's what you've got to do. We win every time we've talked to Keith Carter and John Cohen and Jeremy McLean. It's been the same thing, you know, that we, there's no options off the table right now. Um, I, I tend to, th- to think that they're going to play football this fall. I, I tend to think that they can maybe get a full schedule in, but it's going to be difficult, especially for some of the smaller schools like you were talking about a second ago, those group of five schools, you know, who. There was an article, I think, in The Athletic today about how a lot of those schools, you know, they can't afford to test as, as, as vigilantly as some of the Power 5 schools are. So could end up being some problems for them there. But that said, you could end up with what Borky was talking about, a conference-only schedule, maybe play, you know, 10, 12 games. You could play 13 games if you wanted to. They could figure it out. Um, I think I, I still... Yeah, I don't still think we're going need, to a spot where we're playing more games. <laughs> I don't I don't think so either. But, but I think that right now... I think we're going to play football in the fall, but my my optimism is certainly down from what it was three weeks ago. All right, let's play this out. Let's say that we end up with a 10-game conference-only schedule. 
and we'll look at both uh, Ole Miss and Mississippi State's uh, schedules for the fall. And I will ask you this question. What two games would you like to add beyond the eight that are already scheduled? So obviously you've got all of the SEC Western Division games, six of those. And then for Mississippi State, their Eastern Division games. Kentucky is their permanent, and the other crossover this year is Missouri. For Ole Miss, every year Vanderbilt is the permanent Eastern Division opponent. The other one this year is Florida. So let's say that you can add one at home and one on the road. Hmm. Who are you adding? Gee, gee let me think. Um, Vanderbilt and South Carolina. If it's not just based on getting the win. What else on earth would it be based on? I mean, Florida, I guess because, I... of course, you want Mississippi State to play Florida while Dan Mullen's there. That's I mean, already happened. I, I know, but just... We already got that out of the way. No, I, 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 you, you say what on else could there be. My thought is, from like a storyline standpoint, and from, oh, oh, from a storyline cool. standpoint, then yeah, another shot at Mullen. Uh, you, know, you probably need to play him down there, I guess, since they played here two seasons ago. Uh, South Carolina, I mean, I mean there's, there's something to that. That'd be fun. Mike Leach versus Will Muschamp. What two, you know, vastly different coaching personalities? Be interesting. Yeah. So I guess if Ole Miss had to add two, Georgia and Kentucky. I was going to say Kentucky and Tennessee. Oh, well. What? I'm just messing with you. I just picked two games that Ole Miss would likely be underdogs in. Glad you avoided Missouri because, as Eli Drinkwin so eloquently laid out for all of us, uh, teams from the South aren't equipped to play in the frozen tundra that is Columbia, I don't, I don't Missouri. Want I don't want y'all getting cold up there, man. That'd, yeah, be, tough. that'd yeah. be tough. So, uh, yeah. no, I, I did it purely from a selfish standpoint. Um, I think it'd be kind of cool if Tennessee came to Oxford, and I love Lexington. <laughs> and so going up there for a game... In you know late part of the fall, I, you, I could be absolutely persuaded that'd be cool. I also would be okay with the trip to Tennessee. Ooh, oh yeah, you got to do Tennessee with the whole Lane Kiffin angle there. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, the fans may not be able to show up, so they'll, they'll just paint a rock instead. Fair enough. Burn a mattress. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. This will be the final live hour of the week with you. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday afternoon. I think it's okay to say welcome to the weekend. I don't know if it's okay or not, but I'm saying it. Welcome to the weekend. Most folks get uh, Friday the 3rd off ahead of 4th of July on Saturday. Hope it's a great weekend for uh, you. Time to be with family and friends. But, uh, you know, as we're trying to kind of beat back this whole COVID-19 thing, try to be responsible as well. And if you need to be wearing a mask, wear a mask. And if you need to kind of socially distance a little bit, you should uh, certainly do that as well. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky on this Thursday. C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's uh, actually what it says. Here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. 
unlimited talk and text, 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 a line with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. A lot of conversation about when the college football season gets played. We've been having that conversation, but so are administrators. And it seems to be a chat that's coming up a little bit more and more often. It's time right now for your college football fix. Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out about the full line of Ford vehicles. You can test drive one exclusively at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Story from ESPN yesterday. Penn State Athletics Director Sandy Barber said that a spring college football season, quote, would be a last resort to safely squeeze in the sport during the coronavirus pandemic, citing the impact that it would have on the 2021 season as a major hurdle. She said, one of the biggest challenges of a spring season, and it's probably the biggest one in my mind, is the proximity to next season and, frankly, a second lost spring ball. Overcomable, if perhaps we're willing to have a shortened season, again, in the category of something is better than nothing, that may not be a problem at all. You think that's what the way everybody's looking at it right now? Pretty much. I do. I was thinking about this earlier today. I, I still can't wrap my mind around the the spring football season, but for one reason in particular, you have uh, people that say that this should be the right call. The athletic ran a story because uh, of the safety of the players. We should consider playing college football in the spring out of safety. If that's your reasoning, I, I'm not following you, and I can't wrap my mind around that. If it's strictly because of money, I get it. Like I, I completely understand that college football needs to happen for some livelihoods to stay intact. Like I, I get that. So if you play that in the spring and that's the reason why, I'm all on board. I get you. But if you're saying move it to the spring for player safety, is that really safe? to have two full seasons in one year with half the time off in between or to play it this year with fewer fans and more precautions. That's where I don't well, but, follow But the you. safety they're trumpeting is for the immediate season. I mean, they're not talking about long-term safety. They're talking about it would be for, for this batch of college football players to play in the spring of 2020 as right. opposed to the fall of 2020 because theoretically – Science will have advanced. Maybe there's a vaccine. It's, it's yes, not but, even. Et cetera. But they're you're not, kicking not, the safety can down the road. They're not even talking about physical safety. Yeah, it's, they're not, there's, there's two kinds of safety here. There's virus safety, and then there's your physical player safety. Safe, player safety. They, they are, they, when they say safety, it's not all-encompassing here at all. Yeah. They, they, are, they are locked one, in on a specific type of safety. Right. But you're avoiding one potentially damaging thing while creating another potentially damaging thing. Swing your calendar for a second. So you can't do it, can't do it this fall for whatever reason. Everybody keeps talking about the virus bouncing back. I mean, it's going to be worse than it is right now. Well, the death rate is extremely low, so I hope not. The 
the numbers are up, and that's not good. And, and Greg Abbott issued a, a mask mandate. That, I mean, those are going to happen all over the For place. For the entire state of Texas? I believe so. Uh, and I'll, I'll send you the, the link just to double-check me. But, yeah, um, I think that's going to start popping up elsewhere. Uh, the virus is spreading, but the death rate is plummeting. So that's a good thing. We, I hope it doesn't get worse than, than this death rate. Yeah. Is the Super Bowl February 7th? Does that sound right? I mean, without looking, it, that seems like when it would be, right? So what if your college football season started Saturday, February 13th? You could bring everybody back after the holiday, you know, the, the Christmas break. You bring your players back on... Saturday, January 2nd, they start practicing on the 4th, and you got one, two, three, four, five full weeks of practice before your first game. And then you play on the ne- three Saturdays in February. Uh, in March, you'd have one, two, three, four Saturdays, so that gets you through seven games. And then you got four Saturdays in April. So let's just say you play an 11 game schedule, no open dates. And then on the first weekend in May, you have your conference championship game. And then you skip one week. And then you have your college football playoff. Now, would any bowl games happen in that scenario? Right. We just set bowl games aside for a year, right? You would think, but there's also... There's so much money tied up in those bowl yeah. games, though. Okay. They're, they're, they're not, not going to walk away from that. Okay. So... And if it's perfectly safe, to coronavirus-wise, perfectly safe to play in the spring, well, then why wouldn't you? All right, fair also, enough. Also, what are you playing for if you don't have bowl games? Money, Conference but... championships and national championships. Yeah, but... Outside of the in the SEC, so you know you might as well tell nine teams not to show up at that point. Real no, quick, no, no, it is not a nine, you know, ten, ten, eleven, twenty teams. It is a statewide order in Texas, and if you are caught with that one, uh, you are subject to fine. He just wants that Twitter inside only or inside and outside. Outside. Like, well, well you have it's to wear public. a mask all like, of the time. It says public spaces. Public spaces, yeah. Okay. So you don't have to wear one in your front yard. Oh, no. No, it's just when you're around. But if you're outside your vehicle in town walking down the streets, you got to have a mask on. Right. That's a bit of an about face in the state of Texas. <laughs> yeah, but data recently has shown that, like, you... Shutdowns weren't really an option anyway, but you don't have to shut down if you have the vast majority of people wearing masks. Like the data now backs that up and shows that that does reduce the spread to the point where if we do it for long enough, we won't have to worry about coronavirus anymore. So that's it isn't about face and Fauci's done it three or four times now, but they do have the <coughs> the scientific backing of the masks actually do work. Uh, don't believe the meme on Facebook. Well, and I mean, in fairness, the the health officials in Oxford that have kind of been advising the city on some of the steps have 
you know, in the face of some public pressure, stood by the whole masks make a difference thing. And, you know, since Oxford reopened on April 29th, at no point has the mask ordinance lifted. If you're inside a business, whether it is one that was originally deemed essential or, I mean, it's any business. You go inside a business, you got to have on a mask. Um, you have to have a mask on to go inside a restaurant. Once you're at your table, you may take it off, but then if you get up to go to the restroom or move around in the, you know, within the restaurant, you're supposed to put your mask back on. And for the most part, people have followed those rules pretty well. I mean, I mean if you look at the, the cases in Oxford, people talk about a spike. I mean, you haven't really seen it in the numbers because the majority of cases have been from out-of-state students even though there have been a couple of spikes of college students getting coronavirus or testing positive. But those numbers count against wherever they're from, whether it's in-state or out-of-state, so you're not seeing it necessarily with Oxford's numbers. But Oxford's numbers have stayed relatively low, so maybe the whole mask thing, maybe that is the way to go. If it means things otherwise are normal, I'm fine. Yeah. I'll throw one on. I don't care. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Quick timeout, then back with you on this Thursday. Everything seems to be Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. If you want to be part of the show, you can text us on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Um, Rob Manfred said on the Dan Patrick show, the reality is we weren't going to play more than 60 games, no matter how the negotiation with the players went or any other factor. So why did we do the song and dance thing? I just... On one hand, I appreciate the honesty, like in a way, but also, why would you say that out loud? Doesn't he know they have uh, a new labor agreement coming next year, and you told your players on a national radio show, we never once actually wanted to negotiate a, a restart in good faith with you, or a start in good faith with you. It was never going right, to happen. Let, let me ask you this. Did they, does that mean they didn't go through good faith negotiations? Because apparently that could be agreements by the players' union that there had to be good faith negotiations. Or was that just their line in the sand where they weren't going to cross it? Because you can enter into negotiations to try and come to an agreement on different parts of, of what you've got to come to an agreement on. But you don't have to give in on everything. And so is he just telling us this was what the owners weren't going to give in on? I mean, Borky, if you go to buy a house and you've got $200,000 to spend on a house, like that is ju- your, your budget can't go beyond that. And you go and you look at a $250,000 house and 
you enter into negotiations for the House, I mean, it doesn't matter how well they go and how many different things you concede on or the other owners concede on. If you can't buy the house for 200000 you can't buy it. Yeah, it, that's a good uh, analogy. I guess the point is if you could afford a $250,000 house and it could better accommodate your family, choosing not to do that to save a few dollars that ultimately harm your living situation isn't a, a good idea either. Here's, he tried to clarify the statement, by the way. I didn't get a chance to send this to you because it, it just happened. Um, here's his quote, clarifying what he said to Dan Patrick. My point was that no matter what happened with the union, the way things unfolded with the second spike, we would have ended up with 60 games anyway. As time went on, it became clearer and clearer that the course of the virus was going to dictate how many games we could play. That's just BS. That's just not true. Because as, as we've been saying all week, two weeks ago, we thought everything was going back to normal. It was all good. States were reopening. Everything was better. We thought football yeah. was going to happen no problem. I mean, that's just not true. Hmm. Unless he's some epidemiologist and the only one that's right on everything, and we didn't know it. He's lying through his teeth here. Well, I'm sure they were getting information from people. I mean, the the numbers have been going up for a month now. It's only in the last couple of weeks that we've really started to recognize how much they're going up. I mean, the the I mean, this is kind of melding two conversations. But it's only in the last two weeks that we've heard people start kind of talking again about the idea of, well, what if we need to play the college football season in the spring? And we started feeling a little less optimistic about having it happen in September. Maybe that's talking in both directions there, saying, okay, it's only in the last couple of weeks, but the people that were watching closely would tell you, yeah, but the numbers have been going up for a month now. Yeah, these negotiations and, and worked uh, out this way for long before the numbers started ticking back up, though. Yeah, you're right. No, you're, you're right about that. And there's something else that needs to be said here. Are we going to pretend like it is just coincidence that the number of positive COVID tests rose after we had all these mass-gathering protests all over the United States? Man, some of the headlines that have run said that there's no evidence or no signs to point to the protests leading to the spike of cases. Right, right, sure. Because community spread isn't a thing. I mean, and correlation doesn't always equal causation, but the spike has been largely in young people, and generally speaking, protests are mostly done by young people. It's not the only reason they're spiking, no, but it's part well, of the of reason. No, of course not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's happening in college towns. Because students are coming back to college, and they're going to bars, and they're hanging out at parties and whatnot. I mean, okay. Fine. But it's also happening in big cities. Yeah. Spiking in Southern California. A lot of protests. A lot of folks out three weeks ago in Southern California. Happening in the upper Midwest. Happening in big cities in the South. Yeah. Atlanta. 
Miami. I'm not saying it was wrong to protest, but the whole coronavirus COVID-19 story went away for 10 days. Went away. And now it's back. And now it's the story again. I just It's just worth pointing out, in case you haven't thought of that, because there are a lot of places that aren't giving you that news. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Uh, look outside the DMV offices. That's attributing to the spikes in Mississippi. I assume there must be big lines. Uh, protests try rush parties, you a-holes. Uh, hearing comprehension is an issue for you, clearly. Because what did I say? It also is happening in college towns. Full quote, Richard Cross, three and a half minutes ago. At bars and parties that are happening at houses, you a-hole. It's not like, oh, he he was joking. Oh, oops. Sorry. Yeah, I oh, missed your sarcastics there, bud. My bad. And it's not, again, you weren't saying that people shouldn't protest if they feel like they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, we've been talking for months about how young yeah, people aren't susceptible good. of this. I mean, and look at the death rate. It's plummeting. So they obviously didn't put themselves into that great of risk if the death rate is falling dramatically the way it is. Hogman thinks all professional athletes and college athletes need to take off a year and get regular jobs to find reality. Their reality is that they are great athletes, and so they get to you know do these kind of things. Sorry, that's not your reality. Yeah, I've never understood the... It might change their perspective, though. Probably would, but let's not pretend like they didn't work their tails off to get where they are. I mean, they just wake up one morning and, you know, okay, I'm going to be a football player and, oh, I'll run 4 3 now. Yeah. I could have never been LeBron James. I'm not six foot eight and I wasn't born with some level of athleticism, but believe it or not, there are a lot of people. I say a lot. There's enough people that are six foot eight and born with athleticism that don't work the way that dude works, and there's a reason they're not where he is. You may not like him, but there's a reason he's still at the peak of his game at his age, 17 years into a career. That guy busts his tail and focuses exclusively on his craft. He, he's, I've read a story about LeBron James about just his training regimen and just the way he goes about his daily life. He, he's a lunatic in a good way. It's all he cares about. It's all he focuses his attention on. It's, it's basketball and health and hard work and working on his game. I mean, it's, yes, he gets paid an exorbitant amount of money for doing something that we did in the backyard as kids. But what it took for him to get there is commitment that we don't realize because we only see him for two two hours and 20 minutes a few times a year. Greg suggesting I should open an insurance agency. He says, cross an insurance. I don't know. It just just feels right. I can't decide if Greg's trying to push me out the radio door (laughs) to go sell insurance, or it's just a suggestion in terms of a fallback. If sports never comes back, I don't know which it is. Another message says, I know all athletes work hard. 
Don't get sh- salary shaming of athletes. It's capitalism, man. If they weren't that valuable, they wouldn't get paid that much. Yeah, that doesn't do much for me either. I mean, go get what you can get. Go get what you can get. Whatever your profession. We'll be back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydet. Borky, you've had this story on here for a couple of days, and we're just now getting to it. Uh, you say this is a really stupid idea, and it is what is being called a splash shield inside a high school or inside a football helmet. You got high school teams and others that are looking at this, but a, a, a splash shield made of clear optical material. And has slotted tabs for ease in connecting the product to any face guard on any helmet. And it can help limit exposure to airborne droplets that the athletes encountered during play. So right now you'll see a lot of football helmets that have got the clear face shield kind of to protect your eyes. This is one that goes a little bit lower. Why is this idea so stupid? Uh, well... Even in the north, anywhere in this country, really, save the west coast of California and Oregon and Washington, where it's like 75 the whole time, when high school football starts, it's really hot. Uh, But using Mississippi as an example, you might have a heat index in the triple digits on the day of a high school football game here. And you're really going to put a plastic shield that covers and encloses a helmet and expect a high school kid to play football where air doesn't escape from his helmet not only will the face mask falls up, fog up they already kind of do if you've ever worn a half shield but put it down over their entire face good luck getting anybody to be able to see out of that thing but when air's not escaping your helmet and it's 100 degrees outside that just brings on an entirely new problem it's just not practical and if you really if that's the only way that you can play high school football then you shouldn't be playing high school football if you've got to put a plastic shield over their entire helmet enclosing the full helmet so they don't spit on their opponent as if like they don't touch their hands and tackle so or touch their face with their hands and then go tackle somebody that's just the the entire concept i thought like it could be an onion headline and that would make more sense than them actually trying to put it into practice i feel like there's room for air to move around though i mean it's not like skin tight against your face no but it the entire face mask will have the plastic shield on it. And if you're, especially the bigger guys who need it the most, I mean, quarterbacks and wide receivers wearing thin face masks, but you still got big face masks for especially the linemen. If you've got a a plastic shield covering that entire thing, and, you you know, you breathe forward, not down, and the face mask is designed to cover your face. So if you're putting something that is in front of your face, you're breathing right into it. Yeah. Hey, Dad, take me back to your offensive lineman days. was just about to say. Uh, so my senior Does this have bothered year, I, you? I, I thought that uh, it would be cool to get one of those uh, reflective uh, visor, the things that go in the front so you yeah, couldn't see in. The, the, yeah, the, the shield, shield, right? Of course, it only covers half of the thing. Our first game my senior year, uh, we played in a, 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 not a jamboree, but they used to this thing called the, I don't know if they still do it anymore, called the Red Carpet Bowl Classic, where St. Al, Vicksburg, yeah. and Warren Central would all play on the same day. And St. Al was always first. So you're talking 
Second to last weekend of August, kickoff was at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think it was about 115 degrees out there. Purple jerseys. I nearly died. It was so hot. And I was only half of my face was obstructed. I cannot imagine the full face mask being obstructed like that. I, I didn't wear it again, by the way. So my, my, my mom and dad were real mad at me because I wasted that money. But yeah, just, it was uncomfortable. So you felt like that increased the heat temperature on your face? Well, I mean, it's 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 trapping half of the heat in your helmet. There, you only got half of the the bottom half for it to go out. So yeah, I felt I felt like it was hotter. Of course, I'm you know that's the only game in my life I played in August in the middle of the afternoon. So maybe that's something. But it, in practice, it wasn't a problem. I only I broke that visor out for the game. Oh, so you didn't have the you had not gotten used to it during practice. Yeah, I don't. I had not. So that might have played a role in it too. But were your teammates jealous, or did they? They make fun of no, you. A couple other guys have too. No, a couple oh. other guys have gotten them too. I got you. And what it was was it college football a few years ago or, or the NFL where they outlawed the the dark face? You can only have the clear face mask or the clear face shields. Yeah, it, it was all so, of yeah. them. You can't wear it at, at any level. Yeah, it's a they, shame. They practice in them, though. It's kind of funny to see training camp pictures with Alvin Kamara loves mixing them up, and he'll have like this crazy colorful uh, visor that he's not allowed to wear. They have tint on them, though, I think, don't they, in the NFL? Well, maybe you're allowed for a tint, but not yeah, like not the a mirror color. or the blackout. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what was it? They were saying that it was giving offensive linemen an advantage because they could look at where they were going without a defensive lineman seeing where their eyes were. Huh. I think I heard that rationale at one point. You know what they were probably thinking? Eventually they'll slap a brand on it and we don't want that. Yeah. That's some poorly coached offensive lineman. Look straight ahead, guy. Brian, hey, Dad, how big of a San Francisco Giants fan are you? Uh, I don't know. I'll scale a one out of ten. Six, seven. Okay. Giants are doing their part to ensure their fans' presence will be felt when baseball returns next month. In a letter sent to season ticket holders on Thursday, the Giants, uh, it was Thursday of last week, the Giants announced that games at Oracle Park will be played without fans due to the coronavirus pandemic, but the team will allow season ticket holders to send in an image of themselves to be placed onto a cutout that will be displayed in the stands at home games. It's kind of like what we've seen in uh, in Korea. Yeah. Calling it the Giants uh, Giants fan cutout program, the team said the cutouts will be an opportunity for fans to what a be original at name. Park. Yeah, <laughs> they really they really put yeah. some marketing branding into that. The Giants fan cutout program. Uh, cutouts will be made of weatherproof material, be placed as close to the season ticket holder seats as possible. And for a $99 fee, the team is giving the option for non-season ticket holders to have their cutout images displayed in the stands. $99, hey, Dad, an image of you in the seats at Oracle. That's kind of how I read it. Because it would not be worth it to do it every uh, for just one game, but for every game, 100 bucks, to have my smiling mug up there at uh, at Oracle Park, you know? I I don't think you get to... I don't think you get like the Legend Club suites right behind home plate. I mean, you're probably somewhere in the upper deck, or well, I mean, that's maybe fine. in the outfield. That's like a dollar two per game. Do they? Do they? Will they send you a? Well, it's only what sixty games or whatever. But uh, oh, yeah, they only have oh, I, I did eighty two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
but that, that said, do they send you like a, a picture or something? You know, I don't. I would hate to not be able to see it. And you'd think that they would need to so that they could prove that they actually gave yeah. you what you paid for. Oh yeah, we put it up. Yeah, no problem. Hey, it's up there. It's uh, in, uh, up there in six thirty one. Yeah. Oh, you didn't see it on the TV? No, yeah. no, I didn't. We panned, we panned the crowd. We panned the stadium. They put a drone up there. But yeah, if yeah. It, I need to find out some more information. But that that I wouldn't I wouldn't be against that. We need to get yeah. Richard one in Fenway. <laughs> uh, no cheating in doing, Fenway. But I'd be doing uh, anything not in particular true. in that picture. <laughs> it's about to say, like you know, is Does there? Does it have a, to be approved? Can he can he make a gesture? That's what I guess what I'm trying to ask. I mean, it's not like that doesn't already happen in their full stadium every time a ball gets hit down the line. So you know, can you get one like a build a bear that's got his voice in there? Hey, Noma, you suck. <laughs> Who's your daddy? Dun. Exactly. Get Who's your daddy? Is that uh, done so- the uh, the trash can banging that the Yankees were doing when they cheated their way to a playoff loss? St. Louis Cardinals have replaced the Yankees as the opponent for the Chicago White Sox in the Field of Dreams game on August 13th that is being held in Dyersville, Iowa. Schedule change caused by the new uh, coronavirus pandemic meant that the White Sox no longer would play the Yankees this season, and so the new opponent, first reported by the Des Moines Register, was confirmed to the AP earlier. Major League Baseball Hopes to announce its new schedule next week. Each team will play 60 games, 40 of them against division rivals, and 20 against teams in the corresponding regional division in the other league. Major League Baseball said, we hope to have the option to play. Construction is continuing, and we are following all CDC and state protocols regarding recommended safety practices, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Unclear whether or not fans will be allowed to attend the game in Iowa, which is scheduled to be televised nationally by Fox. Am I crazy for hoping that fans can't go to this one in particular? I think for some reason, I think it would be so cool to just have those two baseball teams playing a game on that field. The visuals without like manufactured stands around home plate, I think would be cooler. I think they're building the stands, though, so it's not like they're going to be able to tear those out. It's a shame. That was something that I was hoping to do as a road trip this summer, but along with a few other things in 2020, that went away. Yeah. Well, you can teach uh, your kids a lesson about uh, teams that don't cheat instead of taking them to a dirty Yankees game. (laughs) (laughs) He's not having fun. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.